Fullness announcement? Literature announcement? We have literature. And uh, you're not here tonight, but we'll make it next week. Same time, same station. And um, I said to the speaker, then introduce the main speaker. My name is Alfonso, and I am an alcoholic. Alfonso. So I asked my good friend Will to ask me to come out and uh, do the opening act for him. Uh, my sobriety is February 14th, the year 2000. It's the only sobriety date I've ever had. And I like, I like to take credit for that, but the reality is I found out later on that um, it's not my credit. I would like credit to the, to the loving God that I found in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous later on. I. Um, I grew up in a British colony. This country, it was a country called uh, British Honduras. And then later on got its independence from England and now it's called Belize. Um, growing up there, uh, Chinese dad, Mayan mom, dad was uh, raised us with honor and respect. Honor and respect your elders, that's it. And the mom was, uh, uh, they had their superstition and their many gods, corn god, rain god, fish god, all this stuff. And, like the Roman, like those Roman people that had, uh, those the Greek people that had um, Zeus and all those, all those guys, right? So like, uh, um, anyway, so um, they had ten of us, and um, and uh, they didn't know what to do with uh, how how we how are we going to raise these little bastards? You know, uh, we got these two different cultures, and so uh, we decided that they're going to send some to organized religion. That the schools were influenced by highly by organized religion. And, and some of my, my brothers and sisters, they gravitated to that stuff. And I didn't, that was the, the oddball. And uh, no, no coincidence that I'm the only alcoholic out of the 10 kids. So I can't blame parents because I had the same parents. Um, and um, and uh, there was a lot of do-gooders in my life, school teachers, uh, adults, and people that, uh, you know, and then later on went to high school. I got introduced to this thing called booze, and um, <laughs> it was good. Uh, Anyways, uh, I, before I started really, my drinking career took off, I stole a bottle of um, um, Johnny Walker Black Label. Uh, and um, it was three of us little kids, I was about nine years old, and we went to a rock on the seaside, and um, we drank that thing, and um, alcohol did to me then what I didn't know it was gonna do to me later on in, in my drinking career. I got drunk, I threw up, I blacked out, and um, and, uh, and, I, and I, it was never my fault. And uh, and so when I went to high school, and that traumatized me. I tell you right now, that traumatized me. Um, I said I'll never drink again, and I stayed true to it until I was 14 years old. And I and this little thing called puberty kicked in. There was this one little girl that I like. I liked the way she looked, the way she dressed, and all the other guys liked her. But the rumor had it that she liked the meat. And at that time, I was, um, I was really getting into this thing called martial arts. And um, so I told everybody, if you know what's good for you, stay away from that girl. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and eventually, you know, that, uh, but I couldn't talk to the girl. And my best friend at the time said, he said, he says, Alphonse, if we, uh, we go have two beers. And he said, no, anything except, them, except alcohol, because I remember what it did to me. And he said to me, I promise you that if you have two beers, you know, two beers, he says, I promise you. And I said to him, Joe, if these two beers don't work, you're going to get your ass whooped. And Joe, and Joe said, all right, I'll take the ass whooping. If, but we went and had them two beers. And alcohol worked its magic. It did to me what I consider to be the perfect high. 
it did to me something that I chased for the next 20 years of my life. You know, I was charming, I was debonair, I was Don Juan, I could dance better than Fred Astaire or anything, you know. And I ended up dating that girl and ended up marrying that girl and, and that was my first divorce too. Because when I told that girl that I promised her in wedding vows that I would love her forever and everything like that, and I really, really meant it to they found my being, I had no idea that um, while drinking, I crossed a thing called an invisible line and that alcohol was deciding for me. I had no power and choice when it came to alcohol. I had no idea that it was the first one that took me out of the game. So um, when that girl, when that marriage didn't work out, I, I saw some guys um, that had nice cars. They always had the good, good, good looking women and they had a lot of money. And I got involved with those people. And uh, I don't know, they were called cartels and um, I worked with them for a little bit. We were landing airplanes and you know loading up stuff and getting money and all that stuff. And uh, anywho, um, at some point in time, my boss, the guy that I worked for, uh, he he uh, went straight. He made enough money to go straight, and um, and I uh, and I didn't like I didn't like the lifestyle anymore. And um, I, I came to California and I started to be an electronic tech, and then I met my second wife. And then again, I promised that woman. She had a little boy. And I promised them, and I was very sincere, with all the sincerity I could bring up in my heart, that I would prom that I promised I'll take care of her, and I love her, and I take take care of her little boy, and um, and I meant it. But then again, alcohol said, Ah, uh, you could say all that play, but <laughs> it ain't gonna work like that. <laughs> and uh, before you know it, I was doing a lot of time in jail. Um, I, uh, no, guys, um, my drinking got started getting into a lot of trouble. Uh, before you know it, I'm getting charged with in. Uh, DUIs, uh, drunk in public, uh, brandishing, discharging, you know, and all this other stuff. And um, and uh, and um, one day I stood in front of a judge, and um, and uh, one of these many many times that I stood in front of a judge, and he looked at my docket and he goes, "I think you can benefit from an alcohol reformer program," and they in turn sent me to Alcoholics Anonymous. I'll tell you that I in DUI. When I got those DUIs, they sent me to those things, but there's always somebody there that says, give me 400 bucks and I'll take care of that for you. And so that way, I didn't know that they, uh, DUI sent you to, to, to AA. Maybe I got in here earlier. Not that I would have heard, probably, I don't know. It wasn't to be. And I got here to Alcoholics Anonymous. And when I got here, I did not meet the requirement for membership. I had absolutely no desire to stop drinking. But the judge gave me a choice. Either five years in prison, or do this alcohol deferment program. Now, I was a little taller back then, I don't know, a whole lot cuter. And if you if you look as good as I did in prison, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I didn't want to cause them guys to fight over me, so. I, 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 took, I took the, uh, the, 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 the come to the, the alcohol thing and uh, it came to, to, to get my work assigned. But I had a rule also, you know, and by this time uh, the, the I had divorced that poor woman and, uh, and that little boy. And today, this, that kid is like close to four years old, I think, something like that. Uh, and he still calls me dad. You know, I'm, I'm the only father figure he knew. Anyways, um, even though when I was drinking, I still did what I could for that kid. Um, so I come to Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, and, this, and uh, some people said, welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous. We sincerely hope that something is read or said here that you can identify with. 
other people said said welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous and if you intend to stay around here we suggest that you change your playmates and playgrounds and I sat around in the back of the room and I don't F with me look on my and one of my and one of my little peacemakers stuck in the back of my pants and believe me none of my stuff had any serial numbers on them and uh, and I and I sat in the back of the room uh, I just come to get a courtyard son I'm not like you people and one of the guys said uh, and, uh, and and he said um and when he said uh, change your playlists and playgrounds and play with who? You bunch of losers? <laughs> no. And uh, and and so um, one day this lady, uh, Bobby, had your dossier. They had a rule: if I'm not dating you or if I'm not dating you or not paying you for services, don't touch me. And um, and that lady had started to touch my shoulder, and she said, "Sugar, uh, how are you feeling today?" And I said to Bobby, and I really wanted to say, "Bitch, the uh, And I opened my mouth. And the words came out. I'm doing fine, thanks for asking. And I myself couldn't believe it. But I've been around coming to your rooms for a, for a long time. I, I was get come here. I was coming here for to get a proof attendance card of 18 months. And uh, and um, and I heard you guys talk about being released from the bondage of self. See, and I didn't know that was happening to me just by hanging around you guys. That. I wanted to say something with my mind, but my heart spoke instead of my mind. And you guys told me that if I stick around here, I will learn to speak the language of the heart. And I didn't know that. And then uh, the following week, that lady, here she comes again. I'm like, son of a bitch, you know, you have somebody else to pester. Anyways, she comes and she goes, Sugar, do you have a sponsor? And from what I understood, from what I just kind of hear, I like put this, you know, put a little thing here, there, together, there. I was only one meeting a week. And uh, that your sponsor is going to be somebody that will be your life coach. Somebody will tell you who you can't like your daddy. And uh, I, I'm about to have that because I'm a grown-ass man. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, I said, I said uh, well, you know what, I go. And at that time, I had like six more months left on this proof. And I wasn't drinking, but I wasn't happy. I was an angry son of a bitch. And, uh, and, uh, and, I told, and I told Bobby, I said, I don't waste any time. And she pointed this one guy that I thought he was the biggest loser in the room. You know, and um, and and she said, "Why don't you ask that guy to be a sponsor?" And I to get Bobby to get rid of Bobby. I went up to that man and I said to him, "Chris, would you be my sponsor?" And that man looked at me, and for the very first time that I could remember, as an adult in age, I looked another man, eyeball to eyeball. And that man said, "Me, Alfonso, it will be an honor and a privilege to be your sponsor." Listen, I've stood in front of so many judges and prosecutors and all these other damn people, and I never look. I look in your general direction, and I can tell you what the seal of California looks like. I can tell you what shoes you're wearing, what kind of clothes you're wearing, but I couldn't tell you what color your eyes are. And that man told me, he said, it'll honor and a privilege to be your sponsor. And then he ran to his truck, and he came back with a little pamphlet that says, question and answer and sponsorship. And he gave it to me, and he said, Alphonse, I want you to go home and read this. And if you agree with what's on this pamphlet, next week when I see you, We'll take it from there. First thought comes to mind, this son of a bitch thinks he's I'm gonna see him next week. He he's presuming things already, I, you know, and this dance haven't even started. But I went home and I read the pamphlet and I go, Oh, he ain't gonna be my daddy. He and my taxi and I, you know, and all this thing, and my loans officer and all that crap. He's supposed to take me through the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I said, Okay, I agree with you, but I just wanted to get rid of Bobby. That's really what I wanted to do. And uh, this man said, Okay, we're gonna start reading this book called Alcoholics Anonymous. And we start reading this book. And as we start reading this book, as we start going through the steps, my life started getting a ton better. 
I came to Alcoholics Anonymous godless, owing a ton of money, a suspended driver license, and a felony warrant for my arrest. You know, I came to Alcoholics Anonymous for about three years, driving on a suspended driver license. And, uh, you know, and um, little by slowly, my life started getting a whole lot better. I started paying off all those people. Next thing I know, the DMV mailed me my license. Um, I found a God on my understanding. And year number seven, I told my sponsor, and by the way, he's, the, he's still my temporary sponsor. Uh, after 23 years, uh, you, know, um, I, I, you know, I said to him, Chris, I got this felony warrant for my arrest, what do I do with this? And he says, I have no attorney, and you, you have to know that by now. He says, you've been to enough cases that you know you need criminal criminal defense attorney. And uh, in the rules of Alcoholics Anonymous, there was a, a lady who was a criminal defense attorney, and I hired her. And uh, she represented me. She plea bargained the crap out of that thing. And, uh, you know, I was I paid an exorbitant amount of money to the state of California. I cleaned. If you drove along the 210 and you saw you clean, you're welcome. Uh, you know, and, uh, and, and I just worked at food pension. Anyways, I did what you guys said I was supposed to do. You know, I have what I consider to be an amazing life today. You know, I paid all that $60,000, I paid that off. I, I don't owe a penny to anyone. Um, you know, uh, I have my my uh, my uh, eight-step list. I, it's been wiped clean. I got a clean slate. I can go today anywhere any free man can go. You know, I'll end with this. You know, I remember uh, driving. And uh, I would see um, uh, a McDonald's, and I see like a little car, and I thought it was a police light, and I turn right into the McDonald's. You know, next thing I know, it's like just a guy on Volkswagen with a ski rack shit, and I'm like, fuck, here I am gonna buy McDonald's that I don't want. You know, how many <laughs> and McDonald's and Burger King and the Popeyes I bought and didn't want it? Because I drove with fear. Today, I don't have to drive like that anymore. You know, I got a valid driver's license, I got insurance, I got all these good things that, and, you know, but, um, but you know, it says sometimes quickly, sometimes is, but it will always materialize if I work for him. And boy, do I work my ass for him. So I think that's a little bit over 10 minutes, and I don't want to take any more of your time because I'm here to listen to my good friend and my trudging buddy, uh, weighing in all the way from Monrovia at 190 pounds. <laughs> will. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. How's it going, going, right? Oh man. Thank you, Alfonso. My name is My name is Will. I'm a grateful recovered alcoholic. Will. Will. Ah, I want to thank God for another day of sobriety. I want to thank Les for inviting me out, and Alfonso, thanks for coming out and opening, being the opening act, so to speak. Uh, I'm sober by grace of a loving God, okay? I, I am also sober by this program. Um, my story goes all over the place, so, and it's never the same. So, uh, it's, the context is the same, but chronological might be a little, a little off. Uh, I'm born here in, in Los Angeles. Uh, I was raised in LA. Uh, uh, I'm, I am 67 years old, so, I was raised in L.A. Uh, through the 60s, and then uh, in the late 60s, 1969 to be exact, um, my family moved from L.A. To we, L.A. we would call the east side of town, to we moved to uh, Inglewood. Uh, I grew up with uh, 
two brothers, two sisters. I'm kind of like the middle. One brother's close to me. He's like two years older than me. And um, mom and dad. Uh, my mom and dad worked hard, okay? Um, we never wanted for anything, you know. Every, they weren't rich, but they were hard blue-collar workers, okay? Actually, my dad was a blue-collar worker. My mom actually was a janitor for, for until she retired. Uh, and, you know, but we always had, uh, I always had, and we always had new clothes, the whole shot, you know, everything's fine. There was a lot of chaos in the house, though. Uh, uh, there was a lot of fussing and fighting, dysfunctionality between mom and dad, and it just kind of like spread out. Uh, I had my first drink, my first sip of alcohol, um, I think I was like, I never get it right. My, it, we, my folks was having a, a card party or a domino party. They would do that from time to time. My dad asked me, told me to go get a beer, and he let me have a sip. And I took a sip of beers and one of those short bottles of brown ones, and I took a drink of it, and it felt good. It felt good. I don't know why it felt so good, but it did feel good. Uh, and I wanted more, but, you know, not right then and there, but I wanted more. Um, I was one of those kids where, when I was in school, like elementary, start, even from the start of elementary school, and even sometimes on the block, uh, I, I never, I didn't think I knew what was, I didn't know what was going on in my head. I thought everybody had it going on better than I did. They knew what to do, they had the, they had the blueprint, and I didn't have the blueprint. And I didn't know what the blueprint was, and I wanted somebody to tell me what the blueprint is. and. Uh, I always felt like that. Um, long story short, I was I was I was you know decent kid because my mom and dad they uh, um, they didn't want you know I had to couldn't br I couldn't bring home a bad grade okay so education was important in a way and I'll, and I'll get to that point because uh, my dad believe it, he 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 my dad it was interesting my dad graduated from college in the freaking before World War II and my mom barely had a uh, as a, as the story goes eighth grade eighth grade graduation but some kind of way it hooked up don't ask me how um, but so grades was important and, uh, and my my folks was really protective of us you know I guess because of the area I lived in they thought I don't know what they thought it was anyway they were really strict at that point. But when we made that move to Inglewood, Inglewood, it was like wide open. It was, it was, they felt, they felt we would be more, what do I want to say? It's safer for me to go out and do what I wanted to do. And boy, <laughs> that's where it started. Uh, like I said, I've always felt on the inside that I didn't know what was going on. You know, even though I, I dressed right, I wasn't ugly, I, I was a decent athlete, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But in here, just wasn't right. Um, I remember, let me, let me preface this. My story, I have alcohol, a lot of alcohol in my story, and I have a lot of the other stuff in my story, but I respect the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. So I keep it pretty much on the alcohol side. But I will start off like this. I remember 
I, my first year in high school, um, I made the principal honor roll. Didn't know how I made it, but I made it. Uh, and I was, at that time I was playing trumpet. I had picked up the trumpet in seventh grade. So ninth grade, I was still playing trumpet. And I was in his orchestra at school. And my friend who played trumpet next to me, he asked me, hey, you want to smoke a joint after class? And immediately I said, yes. I didn't hesitate. I didn't, I didn't think twice. I just wanted to feel different. I wanted to feel better on the inside. So after class, we did that. And from that point on, everything changes. Everything changed, I should say. Uh, I got cooler. I, I, got, I started hanging out with the lower companions. Um, I was still bringing good grades home. Um, and how did I do that is because at that time, I, I was able to elect certain cl classes that I wanted to take. So I really didn't study much in high school. Um, I just floated through there. And I still play the, I, I still uh, uh, covered up, you know, with my folks because they were, when I got home from school, they were gone. So it would give me time to, 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 to come down and nobody mess with, bothers me. Um, school became every morning, pretty much every morning, going, you know, we would, back then, I guess, you know, they, they'll probably throw the book at people, but back then, you could, there was always a liquor store in the neighborhood where the, the, whoever the owner was working at the liquor store, they would sell to you. There was always one like that. And so we would go get a bottle of wine every morning, drink it before class. Every morning, drink it before class. And in a lot of days, uh, during school, during lunchtime, the school I went to had a really nice baseball dugout. And we would go out to the dugout drink some more. Uh, other days, there was other party favors that we would do. Um, I remember the first time I got really, really drunk. I, I was about 15, it was during the summertime, and I had two tall cans of uh, Old English, 800. And, I, and prior to drinking that, I had uh, smoked some marijuana with Anyway, I'll just leave it like this, smoke some marijuana. Um, and I was so sick. I remember vaguely, you know, uh, my friend's brother had a car, and he was driving, and, and, and I think I was doing this. I think I had my head out the window barfing the whole time, okay? Uh, but instead of saying, oh, man, I'm not going to do that anymore, my first thought when I came down and got myself together, I have to learn to drink. I have to learn to hold my liquor. I have to learn, you know, the, the, we used to call it mustard seed, not throw up over the and, and, and so I, that was my mission. And I accomplished it pretty good. Um, by the end of high school, like I said, I was drinking. Uh, I could hold my liquor uh, and all the other stuff that went along with it. Graduated from high school. Got a job out at the uh, one of the aerospace companies uh, through a friend, uh, and, and it was that. And that's where I, I, I met other lower companion in high places. I'll just say because that's where I really learned how to drink and do other things. 
Um, and I got turned on to some other things like that as well. Um, I started, like I said, drinking and, and, and doing other things. Um, but I, 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 I was, I was functional, so to speak, because I've always been the kind of person that, like I said, I, I learned how to control it. If, I, if you want to call it control, I thought I was controlling it. I really wasn't controlling it. I just knew how to, my tolerance was just getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, but somewhere along the line, I think it was probably when I was in my 20s, early 20s, 23, 24, I think I crossed that imaginary line along with alcohol and other stuff um, because I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't stop. I could stop drinking sometimes, but I couldn't stop doing other things other times. Um, and it was an everyday thing. I remember I got uh, in my mid, in my late, my late twenties. I uh, I had progressed on my job, like a good alcoholic, you know, because I was the kind of alcoholic. Once I got on the job, even I was straight. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't drink. I didn't do anything else, you know. I was straight. But once the whistle blew, it was all on. It was on until late in the evening, okay? And then the next day I tried to pretend that everything is okay. And I would pull it off most of the time. Uh, a lot of times I can't make it work. I can't make it work, you know? That, that, that happened. Um, but during this period, uh, when I, uh, I think it was like in the early 80s, uh, a lot of my coworkers, they were uh, getting married and doing other things like getting married, buying homes, doing that kind of stuff. And I, you know, I'm one of those kind of alcoholics. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a people pleaser and I want to, I want to be liked like everybody and, I, and else. I want everybody to like me and I wanted to be uh, in the in crowd with everybody else. So if everybody else is doing this, I should be doing this too. And I ended up getting, I ended up getting married. Uh, that was weird uh, because I'm a full-blown alcoholic, okay, and, and amongst other things. And this person married me, but fast forward to the day, I, I, I know why, and maybe I can get to that part of the story. Um, we got married. Marriage lasts for two and a half years. Had a baby, beautiful baby. She's my beautiful daughter today. She's 35 years old now. Um, I, you know, I didn't know how bad the disease was, okay? And she, in fact, she was the first person who told me that you're an alcoholic, but she didn't know what an alcoholic was, you know? And I, and I said, why? I'm only having a beer. See, when I got married, I said, okay, I'm gonna leave all the other stuff alone and I'll just drink, okay? I'll just have a drink after work. That's what everybody does. But I didn't realize my drinking after work was kind of abnormal because I had to have at least a 12-pack every day. That was my normal, you know. And she called me on that, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm fine. Um, but anyway, make a long story short, the marriage didn't last. Um, it, was, it, was, it was crazy. It was, it was, just, it was, just, it was just nuts. Um, marriage didn't last. 
And then I went on, uh, from that point on, I went on, went on for like a 10 year run, what I mean. I just wanted to drink and use and drink, and go to work, drink and use. Uh, one of the reasons why, I know why, because when I got divorced, like I said, I had a daughter and uh, my, that, that, that ex, my, that ex at the time, she made it really difficult for me to visit my daughter, okay? And that's when I, that's when I really felt the first time real emotional pain, okay? And if you were an alcoholic like I was, no matter how much I drank or did other stuff, I could not get that pain. That pain would not go away, okay? Um, I, I, it, it's, it's a pain that it is what it is. Um, but, you know, you, I would have my moments. And, um, I, I, like I said, I went on a 10 year run and I kept drinking, uh, doing what I was supposed to do. I, I was always able to get a job, okay? And I, and I had some decent jobs. I, I stayed at the aerospace company, oh, till I think 1989, I left and went to bank, first interstate bank, and then I left there, I went to a company out of San Bernardino. I did a geographic at that time. I went out to San Bernardino and uh, got a place out there uh, with one of the co-workers in Riverside and thinking, really thinking I, to myself, this would, this would be a good move because I would be away from all the the, the, the bad influence, okay? I won't be around them anymore. I'll be way out in Riverside. But you know what? I learned that if you're an alcoholic, you take the disease with you, okay? Uh, I found what I needed, when I needed, right out there in Riverside. No one had to tell me where it was. I can just drive down the street. There it is, and it was on. Or I would just simply drive back to LA uh, once a week or twice a month, whatever it was, and bring it back, bring it back to Riverside. Um, when I look at my story, that's that's the first time where I actually realized I, I, I lost a job because of this disease. It took me a while to figure that out um, because they were laying off people. When, and, and so when I got laid off with some other folks, since I got laid off with other folks, I kind of like thought, well, I just got laid off. I didn't lose the job. It just laid me off. But, <laughs> yeah. And, but I didn't realize, you know, we all know today that, oh, how many sick days he took, you know, how many times he <laughs> called in late, you know, blah, 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 blah. The list goes on and on and on. And, um, you know, they laid me off. Uh, but like I said, I, no matter, I, I take the disease with me. Um, doing, you know, let me just say this too, you know, um, I wanted to be, you know, all during, during this period, like I said, I had a daughter and things like that. I couldn't be a responsible person. I wanted to be a responsible person, but just like it says in the book, you know, when there's a time, and I'll paraphrase, when there's a time for us, for me to show up, I, I, I fail. You know, I can remember one time specifically, I remember my daughter was starting, a. A, a Christian school. She was six years old, so she needed uniforms. A friend of mine 
who was a, a lower companion, but one of those functional lower companions like myself, uh, his wife said, oh, my little daughter, because I can't remember her name, she went to that school, here's all her dresses, okay? And uh, I was supposed to drop them off, drive from Riverside back down to LA to drop them off, Inglewood to drop them off. And I made that promise, but once I started doing what I was doing, you know, so the first day of school, my daughter didn't have a uniform, you know. Uh, it's not, it doesn't sound like a big thing, but it, it was a big thing to me. Uh, but I, I'm just saying that that's how this, this disease would do you. It, it, it did me. I just, you know, I, I broke promises. I wanted to be, I, I, I didn't realize what, what kind of monster I had, I, I had turned into. So anyway, going back to when I got divorced, I went on a 10 year run, meaning that all I did for about 10 years until I wound up into these rooms was drink, use, and to anybody who wanted to sit and listen to me complain about, uh -oh. Oh, man, complain about what, what I did, what she did, you know, wanted to complain. Um, I got to these rooms, how much time do I have? 10 minutes, 15 minutes, what do I got? 20 minutes? Whatever you need. Whatever you need? Okay, good. Uh, when I, I got to these rooms by way of uh, nudge from the judge, because I want to get to some good parts, the, uh, the recovery part. I got to the way here by way, nudge from the judge. I, uh, like I said, I did other things too, okay? And uh, in my craziness one night, I, uh, I got arrested. Um, for some narcotics and uh, took me to jail. I got out on what they call on my own recognizance. It was in Inglewood. I stayed in, stayed in jail for about 38, 48 hours or 72 hours, where it was. Uh, my sister and brother, they came and got me out. Um, and I had one of those deals. I, went, I had to go see the judge. And I took one of those deals where, and I signed the dotted line that, you know, if I get caught, Drunk, drunk, drunk driving, uh, some anything illegal. Uh, I would have to do uh, what was it? Three years in prison, okay. But I would only have to do fifteen months, okay. And, and what's what's crazy about that? I remember when I was in jail, the people in jail was telling me all this kind of stuff. They said, "Well, you, this is your first time." I said, "Yeah, it's my first." Oh man, just just take diversion and you can go to, you know, judge will give you this, blah, 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 and you'd be out. But then when I found out his, his you know, in fact, they said it, and they told me you only have to do like 15 months, and they said it as if it was no big deal. <laughs> and I'm in my, you know, I'm in there with them, so I had to say, okay, man, yeah, I dig, I dig, and I think to myself, what the fuck is wrong with these people? You know, I couldn't do 15 seconds. Don't want to do 15 seconds, but, um, Make a long story short, I got out, saw the judge, uh, signed on the dotted line, left the courtroom, and did, and did exactly what I've always done, okay? Um, it doesn't, you know, the disease is, is cunning, baffling, and powerful. No matter what kind of conviction, conviction you say, hey, I'm not gonna do it, I'm not gonna do it, you're gonna do it until you, until you, until you get to these, or until you get some help, or until you surrender. I uh, I finally surrendered, 
Uh, I had a manager, the last job I, I had before, I had to get to these rooms by way of rehab, okay? And I was telling uh, 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 Afonso about this before the meeting start. It's one of the best jobs I had because they gave me freedom. I had responsibility, but I, get, I got to control my responsibility, you know, but I had to show up. You got to show up. I couldn't show up. Um, and I had a manager. He took me. He said, "Let's go to lunch." So we went to lunch, and he and he basically told me this. Well, he asked me how things are going. You know, you know, because you know, you know, you're attending blah 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 blah. And I said, "Well, you know, it's inside of me. I should have said and probably wanted to say I need help. I'm an alcoholic. I do this. I do that. I, I need help." But when he asked me that question, the first thing I said was, "Oh, I'm going. It's my divorce." I am having marital problems, you know, it's the, you know, and for crying on the inside, but you can't, but can't give it up. Um, and so he told me, he said, look, we like you, you know, why don't you take some time off and get your affairs together and then you can come back. But if, because if we let you go, you don't be able to come back. And as a good alcoholic and, and, and in my head thinking that I can pull this off, I said, no, no, no problem. I pulled it off for about a week, week and a half. And I, I, I woke up one morning and called in, uh, told him I wasn't going to, I couldn't make it. And I knew at that point I'd lost the job because I had, a, I, got a, I had gotten a call from the company I was working for. It was a contracting company. And they said, hey, you can't, be, you can't miss any more days. And uh, when I did, when I called in, I knew it was over with. So here's, here's the good part. For whatever reason, I think it had to be God. I hung up the phone, and I, I picked up the. I hung up the phone, picked it back up, and I called the center where I was doing the the, the diversion class, the the order the court order thing. And they called me back, and the person that called me back told me, "You're an alcoholic. You need to come in here." He's an alcoholic addict. They say, you need to come in here. And, and I say that's the good part because I had, any other time, I would say, okay, well, it's free day. Let's go, let's go do it, okay? And I didn't do that. Why I didn't do that? For years leading up for at least 10, I'll say seven years. I'm not 100% sure. Leading up to that point, I always wanted to stop what I was doing. I wanted it to be fun again. I wanted to control it again. I wanted to be able to just have a couple of drinks, go out, or maybe do something else, but go to, you know, I wanted to be normal, and I, and I, and I couldn't do it. I thought I could, I couldn't do it. Um, so I surrendered. I went in at this place, I checked in, uh, and once, for intake day, uh, I immediately wanted to turn around and, and I said, well, because it was a nine-month program. And I told him I couldn't do nine months because I have a lot of important things to do, you know. I have to go to work. I got to take care of my daughter. I got to do this. I got to do that. I mean, I was out there. Hell, my, my ex-wife had pissed me off. I stopped paying child support, you know, all the stuff I had to do, right? Um, but he tricked me. And he said, look, you're a grown man. And he didn't say grown man. I'm just adding that. He said, see those doors? He said, you can leave out here anytime you want. And that just got to my ego. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I can do it. I get it. Long fast forward, after about two months in there, 
not not doing anything, no substance, no alcohol. In fact, when I went in there, you couldn't even have Listerine. They took Listerine from it. Um, um, I looked in the mirror one morning, and my eyes and my skin still look horrible. You know, because I was I was on a the amount of alcohol and other stuff that I was consuming on a daily basis and all the stress. They told me, they had nurses in there and they said, uh, you, you know, you're, you're, they, take, they would take your blood pressure. And this is after about a week of being in there. My blood pressure was like 190 over, one, one, 190 over like 110 or 120, something crazy. And they said, you're okay? I said, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. You know, walking time bomb, pretty much. Um, so I told myself, I had been here six, six, 60 days approximately. I had, I had some clarity in my head and I said, look, I got honest with myself. Like I said, a, a couple of minutes ago, I wanted to just, I wanted to stop. I didn't know how to stop. This was my, and I, this was my opportunity. I said, I'm going to do anything and everything they tell me to do to get sober. Okay. Now, I'm grateful that this particular facility I was in, they had the big book. And everybody in there had 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. They were counselors. And they, 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 they looked like me. They, they, they had the swag that I liked. And they were sober. But they were still cool. They were, still, they were sober. So I wanted what they had. So I got busy, you know. Uh, I remember going through the steps with my sponsor in this facility, and I keep remembering, and I remember this all the time, and even even to the day, you know, you're only as sick as your secrets. You know, if you don't if you don't get honest, you will get you will get drunk again. Okay, if you don't get honest, uh, and I took that to heart, and I got honest. Okay, uh, I wrote, you know, I. We, Went through one through twelve, not one, three, four, seven. You know, one through twelve. Um, and for me, the most freeing part was the fourth step. But you know, the thing I, I wasn't—I didn't have a problem with the God thing. Okay, and why I didn't have a problem with the God thing? As a kid growing up, we used to go to Sunday school. That's one thing. That's one thing my folks would, my mom would make me do. Make us go to Sunday school. So I had a concept of my God, okay? Uh, when I was active, I just didn't think my God would work for me. Well, I take that back. I knew he would work for me. I, was, I thought that he didn't want to work for me. He didn't want to hear me lie to him that anymore, in my mind, because all I would do was lie to him all the time. Uh, so I, 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 uh, I surrendered myself to that God and, 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 and Made, turned my little my will and my life over to that God, and then I got busy with the fourth step. Fifth step was so freeing for me because I, I heard so much about the, when you're in a, when you're in a facility like that, you hear so much about the fifth step, the fourth step, and, and all this kind of stuff. So I knew that when I when I when I was time for me to sit and read my fourth step to my sponsor. I had written down on paper everything that I wasn't going to tell a soul, okay, so I knew he was going to ask that question, you know, is there anything else? 
So that's when I pulled out my little list and I told him this, 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 this. You know, and he didn't bat an eye. He didn't. He didn't look like it was. It was. It was. It was. It was refreshing. It was good. And I remember after doing the fifth step, I walked out of his office, and I and we said, "Rock to the fourth dimension." I just felt lifted. You know, every, all the stuff was the, the weight. All that. If you, if you, when you, for me, I'll speak for myself. Drinking and using for years and lying and with this facade. It's, a, it's hard work. It's very hard work. Uh, it's stressful, and I just was so glad to get that freedom, okay? Uh, I don't even know what time it is. Oh, it's different. Um, so, and, and, and I did, the, the, we did six, seven, eight, nine. Now, seven, about, I'll go to the, the men's step for me. Uh, eight, nine, I made, my, I, uh, made a list, and most of my dirty work uh, was with my family members, okay? I, I stole from my, my dad. Not, 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 what I would do, I, I, I did this in the past, sneak, because they were, they were good parents, even though they had her thing, they were good parents. They would let me back in the house when things weren't right. And uh, when they were asleep, I'll sneak and get his credit card, and I would go out, and I'll go to the gas station, pump somebody's gas, get their cash and all this kind of stuff. And I had to make those kind of amends, but parents' amends are easy, you know? Well, my parents' amends, they're just glad to see um, their son back, um, which is a good thing. Um, I, got out of, I got out of rehab, uh, which is, God is, God is funny, man. God has a sense of humor. Uh, I got out of rehab and this lady, friend of mine, who I, who I had a relationship when I was like 22 years old. We lived together for a little while, then we split. God is, God is amazing, man. He, uh, she looked for me uh, like a week before coming out of rehab. She sent a letter to my mom's house. I read the letter, and this is where Will, blah, Will Baldridge lived, blah, blah, blah. This is da, 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 da. So I called her. Make a long story shorter, we hooked up. Um, and that's how I started my sobriety. I wouldn't recommend that, okay? Because uh, I, I, I thought we were gonna be together forever. And uh, I can remember when, uh, she, when God and, and she kicked me out of the relationship. Uh, Cause I'll, I'll just get honest, I was, I was pretty faithful, and I say pretty faithful, not 100% faithful. <laughs> I was pretty faithful, okay? Uh, but there's those moments when you want, you know, anyway. Um, he kicked me out of the relationship, and this is one of the, one of the good things um, about this fellowship. I had, and this, this, this relationship went for like seven years, and I remember when she kicked me out of the relationship, and God kicked me out of the relationship because it wasn't the right relationship, um, and another time I ate, I cried like a baby. But what saved me, I, 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 I went to a meeting, and uh, I was sitting in a meeting, and I couldn't hear a word of, that was being shared because this was, this was bothering me so bad. And I walked out the meeting, and I, and I called a, a trudging buddy, and when I heard his voice, 
I just started crying. And uh, he said, come with, come with me and my family, we're going to the park, blah, blah, blah. And, and you just hang out there. And I went there. And at that point, in Alcoholics Anonymous, that's when I started really getting busy. Because before that, I stayed sober by the grace of God because I had this girlfriend. I was trying to please her more than, I would go to meetings maybe once, once a month. You know, I wasn't really in the program. But I thank God when, when I got kicked out of that relationship, I didn't turn to booze or anything like that. I called somebody in the fellowship. They said, come on over. And from that point on, I got busy in the fellowship. I started going to meetings more. I started raising my hand. I started sharing more. I started sponsoring people. I started going back to the, the, the facility and trying to sponsor folks from there. Uh, I got active in, in, in the fellowship. Uh, if it wasn't for this fellowship, man, I don't know where I would be. I, 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 I'm like Afonso. I, I'm, I'm too pretty to go to prison. <laughs> I'm too pretty to go to prison, uh, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't last. A, I wouldn't last at all. <laughs> uh, but uh, this, this, you know, I, 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 like I said, I sponsor people. I, I, I'm a good father. At least I want to say I'm a good father. Um, I, you know, I, I'm blessed these days. In, in, in you know, during this, during this, my, my, my sobriety, I, 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 I was, I was able to be the good son to my dad because my dad passed, kind of got him going backwards. My dad passed in 2000 and I got out of rehab in 1999 of April and he got a chance to see me sober. My mom passed in 2012. So from 2000, 2012, she got to see the son that she always wanted because I, I used to break her heart, man. You know, she, she told me, a, she told me a story once that, uh, I don't know why we was, cause I, when, I, when my dad passed, I spent every weekend, even though I had this, I had a girlfriend every weekend, every Sunday, I was at my mom's house, every holiday, every birthday, every I just wanted to be, I just wanted to be that, that good son. Uh, but she told me this story that, uh, cause like I said, she, when I started off, she's, she was a, she was a, she was a janitor and, uh, she would be at work. She said, I, some, I said, well, she said, sometimes I'll be at work and she can hear a siren or she just be vacuuming. And all of a sudden she think of me and tears come down her eye. Man, that, 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 that broke me up when she told me that. And, uh, and, and so that's, I, as an alcoholic, you don't realize, and I didn't realize, how much hurt and pain we, we, we inflict on our loved ones, you know? Um, God, that was, that was, when she told me that, I, I but anyway, I, 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 uh, I got to be that good son. Today, I have a, a I have, I have a home, that's mine. The bank owns it, but I pay the mortgage. Um, I have a beautiful daughter. I have two grands boys. I have a son-in-law that I, I, I'm starting to love now. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, life is good, man. Life is good. I'm, I'm still healthy. Um, you know, and it's all because of these the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, this fellowship. You know, if you want to, if 
you guys, you guys, you, there's no newcomers here. You, you already know. Uh, it's, it's going to meetings, trudging, having a trudging budget, having someone to talk to is so important. Uh, in fact, sometimes uh, I remember my first years, uh, I have a sponsor, but it was, I had a trudging buddy who passed a couple of years ago. We would talk once, when we first got out of, when we first got sober, we would talk almost every day and we can talk about sports, anything. And there's a miracle there because there's this, it's in our reading that, you know, if two or more, he's in the midst. Uh, there's a miracle when, 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 when two alcoholics sit down and just talk or just fellowship about anything, you know, the, the alcohol or any other substance come, doesn't come into play. Um, and and I, I'm grateful for that. Uh, like I said, I, I don't do this program perfect. I, I'm here today a lot from grace, God's grace, because, uh, man, you know, and now what I, what I do with every, well, it's God's grace, and I, and I try to strengthen that by, I have a routine that I do where I'll read the uh, daily reflections in the morning, I'll think about it, and then I'll read, I, I started reading this uh, Al-Anon book called Courage to Change, and then I read another book. It's almost like the, the other big book, but it's called Jesus is Calling. That's, that's my God, okay? And uh, I do that on a daily basis. And I do it on a daily basis because I know from experience of being sober and not doing it, if I want to have that strong relationship with God, and if I want to have this spiritual connection, and I want to cure this malady that we have, i gotta, I got to have a relationship with God. And the only way I can do that and, and clear all that stuff is to do it consistently consistently. Uh, doing it on Monday in January and doing it on Monday in February don't work. Don't work. I have to I have to consistently talk to my God. Um, what else am I going to talk about? I don't know. I think I think that's enough. Is it am I over? I think I'm way over. I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, but I, Les, thanks for inviting me. I hope I didn't bore you guys but like I said when I share it, it just comes out. You know I try to speak from the heart so Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, man. Thank you, man. All right. I'm less alcoholic. Let's yes. give Will and Alfonso a hand for a great meeting. Yeah. And, and we know when we're shot up, we show up, right? No matter what. You guys are awesome. You know, and uh, Carlo and uh, Fernando and all you guys that that hang around, you know, and help us clean up and stuff like that. Man, you guys are awesome. We show up. Uh, faith without works is dead. See, we all showed up, and we got dry for the time that we had our meeting. You know, God is doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, you know, and uh, and I'm your grapevine rep, you know. <laughs> meeting in a print, you know, I, I don't have, have one on, my, on me this week, uh, you know, you can give one away to hospitals and sanitariums, your doctor, you know, the police department, <laughs> you know. You can just drop one in some, in a chiropractor's office. No telling who's going to pick it up, right? But anyway, uh, they're, they're 58 bucks for two years, and, and uh, you, can't, you, can't beat, you can't beat those those stories in that book. You know, you, you can be stuck without a meeting in, in your car, and you can just read it. 
paragraph or two or a story and you know you get back on track and we're down the road again you know and that's what it's all about so with that uh eric you want to come up here and read the promises and praise out here sure thing. thank you Good evening, everyone. I'm Eric with a K alcoholic. Hey, oh, what a great meeting. Pleasure to be here. These are the promises. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we are halfway through. We're going to know a new peace, oh, new freedom, and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of usefulness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and our outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. After a moment of silence, the alcoholics still suffering in and out of the rooms. The alcoholics who haven't found us yet. The families and the children caught in the crossfire. Please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Knock, knock. Whose father? Our father? Our Father. Our Father. Lord in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom, kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Oh, Keep coming back. Work it, you work it. Work it. Great meeting, everyone. Bless my hand. Not a drop. Not a drop. Right? Yeah. Miracle miracles. Well, you were excellent out there. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you, man. Thank you, thank you, brother. Alfonso. Good reading. Very good. Everyone Very good. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right, Carlo. Hang in there. Ooh. I got you down. I just could give you the date. Uh, uh, Come here, pretty one. Oh, come on now. You see, this man recognizes when he sees it. Let me just tell you guys great shares. Thank you guys. You guys are awesome. Thank you. And thank you for guys showing up and sharing your experience. It's like a Quentin Tarantino movie. You know what, man? It's not over here, over there, but at the end it makes it. You know what, man? They said that blew me away when I was in jail that quick minute. What did they say? Oh, it's no big deal, man. It's no big deal. Dude, uh, I'm like, what the fuck? I, okay. When the I care fuckers goes in, like, oh, uh, when the judge said, it was, it was, it was, when, the, when I said, I said, fucker, tell me, give me uh, five. He goes, I could, you know, my hands stand, standing in my head. Everything up? Yeah, yeah, you, uh, did you want to handle the, uh, you must not like pussy. You know, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. You know. But the way, yeah, you're like, yeah, the way this guy talking about, you're good. Okay, dude, I'm going to hit. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I still have so the uh, the bucket, you know, for the yeah. um, the raffle. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can help out with the other things. Okay, okay. No, I, I appreciate you really trusting me with that oh, for those yeah. that two three you know, weeks. You know, you're a trusted servant, man. You done. 
you phone call with what I'm gonna go for tomorrow. Oh, you